Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinnie Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened a Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be restoration. Let's begin today in 2 Chronicles chapter 24. In 2 Chronicles chapter 24, beginning in the first verse, it says, Joash was seven years old when he began to reign, and he reigned forty years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Zabiah of Beersheba. And Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. And Jehoiada took for him two wives, and he begat sons and daughters. And it came to pass after this, that Joash was minded to repair the house of the Lord. And he gathered together the priests and the Levites, and said to them, Go out unto the cities of Judah, and gather of all Israel money to repair the house of your God from year to year, and see that ye hasten the matter. Howbeit the Levites hastened it not. And the king called for Jehoiada the chief, and said unto him, Why hast thou not required of the Levites to bring in out of Judah and out of Jerusalem the collection, according to the commandment of Moses, the servant of the Lord, and of the congregation of Israel, for the tabernacle of witness. For the sons of Aphaliah, that wicked woman, had broken up the house of God, and also all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord did they bestow upon Belim. And at the king's commandment they made a chest, and set it without at the gate of the house of the Lord. And they made a proclamation through Judah and Jerusalem to bring into the Lord the collection that Moses, the servant of God, laid upon Israel in the wilderness. And all the princes and all the people rejoiced and brought in and cast into the chest until they had made an end. Now it came to pass that at what time the chest was brought unto the king's office by the hand of the Levites, and when they saw that there was much money, the king's scribe and the high priest's officer came and emptied the chest, and took it, and carried it to his place again. Thus they did day by day, and gathered money in abundance. And the king and Jehoiada gave it to such as did the work of the service of the house of the Lord, and hired masons and carpenters to repair the house of the Lord, and also such as wrought iron and brass to mend the house of the Lord. So the workmen wrought, and the work was perfected by them, and they set the house of God in his state, and strengthened it. The Lord put it on Joash's heart that he needed to repair the house of the Lord. Verse 4 told us, And it came to pass after this, that Joash was minded to repair the house of the Lord. We find here the concept of restoration. After the last two years when churches were closed, there was a lot of damage done to the church as a whole. Churches closed down all across the world. Churches have been burned down in Canada, and preachers are being arrested 
throughout Canada and Australia. This is not to mention the persecution of the church that has gone on for many years throughout many other countries. We can't forget these persecutions that have taken place. Even in America, where freedom of religion is championed as an inalienable right, preachers have been persecuted and put in prison for disobeying the government's orders. The church is under attack all over the world. A lot of damage has been done. To a certain extent, we've lost ground in this spiritual war that we are all a part of and all fighting. But the Lord is not done with his bride, the church. He is allowing us to go through the fire, to refine and to sanctify us. Even though so much damage has already been done, God is not done with us. He is still going to do great things in and through us. What the church needs now more than ever is a season of restoration. We need a time of repair and rebuilding. Restoration is a noun, meaning the act of replacing in a former state, renewal, revival, reestablishment, recovery, renewal of health and soundness, recovery from a lapse or any bad state. The key part of this definition is replacing in a former state. In order for the church to truly be restored, we need to get back to where we started and get back to the basics. Verse 3 of the book of Jude says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. We need to go back to the faith as it was once delivered. Over time, in many churches, the gospel has been watered down until it's become a shell of its former self. Churches have been preaching the bare minimum of the gospel. They've only given self-help and feel-good messages when what the people desperately needed is to learn the deeper things of God and have the meat of spiritual food. Instead, people have continually only been given spiritual milk and the effects of this have become evident and have manifested all around us. The way that we combat this, and the way that we fix the problem, is by being restored to our former state. We need to get back to where we started. Hosea 6 and 1 says, Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. If the church is to be healed, the first step is to get back to the faith as it was once delivered. We can't forget where we came from. Forgetting where we came from is one of the worst sins. It's where we came from that makes us who we are today, and it's what got us to where we are today. Let's go to Revelation chapter 2. In Revelation chapter 2, beginning in the first verse, it says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. 
To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. The church of Ephesus was at a point where they were in need of restoration. Verse 4 is important. It says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. When you lose something, you don't know that you lost it. But when you leave something, you know that you left it. The act of leaving is always done with knowledge. We get a further insight into this concept in the word used for left in verse 4. The Greek word used here for left is aphemi, which is a verb meaning to send away, to permit to depart, to release, to let go. All of these terms used in this definition show that left, used in this context, shows that the church of Ephesus was leaving their first love with a working knowledge of what they were doing. And this consciousness of what was taking place made what they were doing that much worse. We find that the state of the church of Ephesus and the state of churches today are strikingly similar. Churches knowingly closed their doors and gave in to the fear of the enemy when people needed them most. Churches also knowingly watered down and strayed away from the pure gospel. And it's in that everything was knowingly done that makes the current state of the church that much worse. Since knowledge plays such a big role in this, when the church starts to return to where we started, this must also be done with knowledge. The church as a whole needs to make a conscious decision to open up their doors and get back to preaching the pure gospel as it was once delivered to the saints. Back in 2 Chronicles 24 and 4, it said, And it came to pass after this that Joash was minded to repair the house of the Lord. The word minded here is important to note. In many other versions of the Bible, it's translated as decided. The Hebrew words used for decided is haya, which according to Strong's Concordance means to become, to cause to happen, to come to pass, to accomplish. Joash made a conscious decision and then subsequently took decisive actions to see what he desired come to pass. He caused the repair and restoration to happen. He made it come to pass, and he saw the work through until it was accomplished. Just because Joash did all of this doesn't mean that God wasn't involved in it. God was involved the entire time. God inspired him to do it. He guided Joash throughout the process, and he watched over his plan for his house to be repaired and restored. If we are to see restoration in the church, we must, like Joash, make up our minds about what we desire to see take place and take decisive actions to make it come to pass. We then need to keep going until it's accomplished and trust that God will guide us and watch over his plan until it's fully executed. Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, beginning in the first verse, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, 
saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born? We find in this chapter another element necessary for restoration to occur. Verse 1 says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. This verse shows us the importance of unity. Once the body of Christ returns to our original state, we need to get united and stay united. Our power as the body of Christ is in our unity. We need to get in one mind and in one accord. When we truly unite together, there will be no power in hell strong enough to stop us from accomplishing what we set our minds to do. This includes the desire to see the house of God repaired and restored. Unity amongst the body of Christ lays the foundation for the next element in the process of restoration. The next element is revival. Once they were unified in one accord at Pentecost, revival broke out. Unity must always precede revival. When revival started, the fire of God came down. Verse 3 says, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues, like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. In order for the church to be fully restored, revival has to break forth, and the fire of God has to come down. Revival is a reawakening of the church, and the fire of God comes down to refine and to purify, so the church can then be restored to a brand new start. Back in 2020, there was a church in Massachusetts that burned down, and in the midst of all the rubble and all the debris, the only thing left perfectly intact was a picture of Jesus. And although this was a tragic event, it's symbolic of what needs to take place in the church as a whole. We have to let the fire of God come down and burn away our religion and our doctrines and our traditions. And when all is said and done, we'll only be left with Jesus. We need to get back to where we started. We need to get back to Jesus. We need to get back to being filled with the Holy Spirit and operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The reason that there have been so many revivals down through the years and countless successful revivalists has been because they preached Jesus and they preached the Holy Spirit. The truly successful revivalists don't give people the doctrines of men. They give them the Word of God. This is what makes the difference because the power is in the Word. A great example of this is Billy Graham. He was successful because he didn't preach religion. He just preached Jesus. The seeds that were planted in his services grew because they weren't choked out by religion and the traditions of men. We need the church to revive. Revival is inseparable from restoration. Frank Bartleman once said, A revival almost always begins amongst the laity. The ecclesiastical leaders seldom welcome reformation. History repeats itself. The present leaders are too comfortably situated, as a rule, to desire innovation that might require sacrifice on their part. And God's fire only falls on sacrifice. An empty altar receives no fire. This quote demonstrates a pattern that we find running all throughout history. In most revivals and reformations, it is the people themselves that begin the revival. And it's no different in the account of Joash's restoration of the house of God. First, we find the reason of why the house of God needed to be repaired and restored. Verse 7 says, For the sons of Ephaliah, that wicked woman, 
had broken up the house of God, and also all the dedicated things of the house of the Lord did they bestow upon Baalim. Since this was the case, Joash wanted the Levites, whose job it was to take care of the temple, to start the restoration process, but they were comfortable in their position. They weren't looking for change. They weren't ready to sacrifice their time or their money or their effort to repair and restore the house of God. Verses 5 to 6 speak of Joash, saying, And he gathered together the priests and the Levites, and said to them, Go out unto the cities of Judah, and gather of all Israel money to repair the house of your God from year to year, and see that ye hasten the matter. Howbeit the Levites hastened it not. And the king called for Jehoiada the chief, and said unto him, Why hast thou not required of the Levites to bring in out of Judah and out of Jerusalem the collection, according to the commandment of Moses, the servant of the Lord, and of the congregation of Israel, for the tabernacle of witness? The Levites missed their initial opportunity to be used as willing vessels for the Lord's work, and this was because of their comfort. After Joash rebuked them, then they corrected themselves and did what Joash had asked. But it was the people of Israel who unified and who sacrificed their time and their money and their effort for the repair. Due to their sacrifice, the temple was revived and it was restored to its former state. Verses 8 through 10 say, And at the king's commandment they made a chest and set it without at the gate of the house of the Lord. And they made a proclamation through Judah and Jerusalem to bring into the Lord the collection that Moses, the servant of God, laid upon Israel in the wilderness. And all the princes and all the people rejoiced and brought in and cast into the chest until they had made an end. Their sacrifice made the difference. They were of one mind and of one accord, and they acted on what they set their mind to do. Because of this, God blessed their sacrifice. Later on, in verse 13, it says, So the workmen wrought, and the work was perfected by them, and they set the house of God in his state and strengthened it. The NSAB version translates the same verse as, So the workmen labored, and the repair work progressed in their hands, and they restored the house of God according to its specifications and strengthened it. This account of Joash shows us the entire restoration process from start to finish. But there is one more thing required in order for the restoration process to be successful, and that's us. The restoration of the church can't happen without us. We have an important role to play. If we are to see revival and restoration in our time, it has to begin with us, the body of Christ, the people of God. We have to be ready, and we have to be willing to sacrifice. We have to get fired up for God, and we need to stay fired up for God. Then we need to come into one accord with our fellow believers. Before the fire of God can come down, we need to have the fire within us. Jeremiah 20 and 9 says, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in mine heart, as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. When the word is actively in our lives, the fire will naturally be within us. This is part of what made the difference with Joash. Joash's name, according to Strong's Concordance, means Jehovah fired. Joash, like Jeremiah, had the fire of God within him. And because of this, the fire of God came down and blessed his work. God's will is for the church to be restored. 
He is in the restoration business. Joel 2, 25-26 tells us, And I will restore to you the years that the locust have eaten, the cankerworm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which has sent among you. And ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, that have dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be ashamed. Even though there has been so much damage done to the church, it isn't over. God's will is not for us to disband and fade away into irrelevancy. His will is for the church to be restored to its first original state. The key is getting back to Jesus and Him alone. He will restore us if we play our role. We have to make up our minds as to what we desire to see take place. Then we need to unify and take decisive action towards restoration. And then God will fulfill His promise to us and he will revive and restore us. 1 Peter 5 and 10 in the English Standard Version says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Let's make the choice today, as the people of God, to start the restoration process, and then watch the great things that God will do in and through us. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day. And we thank you that it's not your will for the church to be damaged beyond repair. Lord, we know that it is your will that you are going to restore us and revive us once again, Lord. Send revival. Give us the initiative and the strength to put forth a sacrifice on your altar so that your fire can come down and consume the church. Burn away our religion and our doctrines and our traditions. Lord, we need this to happen so that we can be left with you. Lord, help us to get back to the true message of the gospel, you and you crucified, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, that you have set us apart as your special and unique and peculiar people who are going to carry out this will to bring restoration back to your church. Lord, this is not the end of the church. This is the beginning because we know that with you, the best is always yet to come. Lord, we thank you that you have made your will clear to us today, and Lord, help us to walk in it and to live it out. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the honor and all the worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to be the one to usher in revival and restoration and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. If you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. And if you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you would write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. And if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. and want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.